0: Book Eight, Chapter Three of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander Camilla, or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter Three A Pleasant Adventure camilla was again called upon for her note before she had read the letter it was to answer but relieved now from the pressure of her own terrifying apprehensions she gave it complete and willing attention it contained four sides of paper closely yet elegantly written in the language of romantic sentiment mrs Burlington said she had spent as yet only a few minutes with her aunt but they had been awfully important and since she had exacted from her a promise to stay the whole day, she could not deny her disappointed friendship the transient solace of a paper conversation, to soothe the lingering interval of this unexpected absence. My soul pines to unburden the weight of its sorrows into thy sympathizing bosom, my gentlest friend. But, oh, there let them not sojourn, receive but to lighten, listen but to commiserate, and then far far thence dismissed them retaining but the remembrance thou hast dismissed them with consolation she then bewailed the time lost to soft communication and confidence in their journey from the presence of others for though one was a brother she so truly loved she found notwithstanding the tenderness of his nature he had the prejudices of a man upon man's prerogatives and her vows called for soothing not arguments and the other she briefly added was but an accidental passenger tis in thee only o my beauteous friend i would trust the sad murmurs of my irreversible and miserable destiny of which i have learnt but this moment the cruel and desperate secret cause she deserved however the discovery for their meeting and called upon her pity for her unfortunate brother as deeply involved in his future views as she in her past by this misery and have i written this much she burst forth without speaking of the cherished correspondent whom so often i have described to thee ah believe me not faithless to that partner of my chosen esteem that noble that resistless possessor of my purest friendship no charming camilla think not so degradingly of her whom fate in its soul-pitying interval has cast into thy arms two pages then ensued with his exclusive encomium painting him chief in every virtue and master of every grace she next expressed her earnestness to see indiana camilla told her would be at southampton present me i conjure thee to the fair and amiable enslaver of my unhappy brother i die to see to converse with her to catch from her lovely lips the modest wisdom with which he tells me they teem to read in her speaking eyes the intelligence which he assures me illumines them she concluded with desiring her to give what orders she pleased for the coach and the servants and to pass the day with her friends camilla's own sensations were now revived to happiness read the letter with all the sympathy it claimed and felt her eyes fill with generous tears at the contrast of their situations yet she highly blamed the tenderness expressed for the unknown correspondent though its innocence she was sure must vanquish even edgar since its so constant avowal proved it might be published to all mankind she answered her in language nearly as affectionate though less inflated than her own and resolved to support her with edgar till her sweetness and purity should need no champions but themselves she was ashamed of the species of expectation raised for indiana yet knew not how to interfere in melmond's idea of her capacity lest it might seem unkind to represent its fallaciousness but she was glad to find her soft friend seemed to have a strict guardian in her brother and wished eagerly to communicate to edgar a circumstance which she was sure would be so welcome to him impatient to see eugenia she accepted the offer of the carriage and desirous to escape mrs Mitton, begged to have it immediately but that notable person came to the door at the same time as the coach and without the smallest ceremony said she would accompany her to the hotel in order to take the opportunity of making acquaintance with her friends courage frequently at least in females becomes potent as an agent where it has been feeble as a principle camilla though she had wished upon her own account to repress mrs Mitten in the morning had been too timid for such an undertaking but now in her anxiety to oblige edgar she gathered resolution for declining her company she then found as is generally the case with the fearful the task less difficult than she had expected for mrs mittin content with the promise self-made that the introduction should take place the next day said she would go and help mrs berlinton's woman to unpack her lady's things which would make a useful friend for her in the house for a thousand odd matters the carriage of sir hugh was just driving off as camilla arrived at the hotel she hurried from mrs Burlington's coach demanding which way the company was gone and being answered by a passing waiter upstairs ran on at once without patience or thought for asking if she should turn to the right or left till seeing a gentleman standing still upon the landing-place and leaning upon the banisters she was retreating to desire a conductor when she perceived it was dr orpon who while the ladies were looking at accommodations and inquiring about lodgings in profound cogitation and with his tablets in his hands undisturbed by the various noises around him and unmoved by the various spectators continually passing and repassing was finishing a period which he had begun in the coach for his great work camilla cheerfully greeting him begged to know which way she should find eugenia but making her a sign not to speak to him he wrote on accustomed to his manner and brought up to respect whatever belonged to study from the studious life and turn of her father she obeyed the mute injunction and waited quietly by his side till tired of the delay though unwilling to interrupt him she glided softly about the passage watching and examining if she could see any of the party yet fearing to offend or mortify him if she called for a waiter while straying about thus as far off as she could go without losing sight of dr Orpon, a door she had just passed was flung open and she saw young Halder, whose licentious insolence had so much alarmed her in the bathing-house strum out yawning stretching and swearing unmeaningly but most disgustingly at every step terrified at his sight she went on as she could not get to the doctor without passing him but the youth recollecting her immediately called out ah ha are you there again you little vixen and pursued her dr Orkborne, dr Orkborne! she rather screamed than said pray come this way I conjure, I beseech, I entreat, Doctor Orpon. The doctor catching nothing of this but his name, querulously exclaimed, "You molest me much," but without raising his eyes from his tablets. While Halder, at the appeal, cried, "Ay, ay, Doctor, keep your distance, Doctor. You are best where you are, Doctor. I can tell you, Doctor." Camilla, then too much scared to be aware, she ran a far greater risk than she escaped desperately sought refuge by opening the nearest door though by the sudden noises upon the stairs and in all the adjoining passages it seemed as if dr orkborne were the only one not alarmed by her cries no one however could approach so soon as the person of whose chamber she had burst the door who was an old gentleman of a good and lively countenance who promptly presenting himself looked at her with some surprise but good-humouredly asked her what she was pleased to want in his room that gentleman she cried panting and meaning to point to dr orkman that gentleman i want sir but such a medley of waiters company and servants had in a moment assembled in the space between them and the doctor was no longer to be discerned do you only open my door then said he dryly to tell me you want somebody else yet when holder vowing he owed her an ill turn for which she should pay would have seized her by the hand he protected with his own arm saying fie boy fie let the girl alone i don't like violence a gentleman now forcing himself through the crowd exclaimed miss camilla tyrold is it possible what can you do here madam?" it was dr marchmont whom the affrighted camilla springing forward could only answer in catching by the arm tyrold repeated the old gentleman. Is her name Tyrold? Sorry now to have pronounced it in this mixed company, Dr. Marchmont evaded an answer, and, begging her to be composed, asked whither or to whom he might have the honour of conducting her. Almost all my family are here, cried she, but I could not make Dr. Orkborne show me the way to them. The old gentleman then repeating, Tyrold! Why, if her name is Tyrold, I'll take care of her myself invited her into his apartment dr marchmont thanking him said this young lady has friends who in all probability are now uneasily seeking her we must lose no time in joining them well but well cried the old stranger let her come into my room till the coast is clear and then take her away in peace come there's a good girl come in do you're heartily welcome for there's a person of your name that's the best friend i ever had in the world he's gone from our parts now but he's left nothing so good behind pray my dear did you ever hear of a gentleman an old yorkshire baronet of your name what my uncle your uncle why are you niece to sir hugh tyrold upon her answering yes he clapped his hands with delight and saying why then i'll take care of you myself if it's at the risk of my life carried rather than drew her into his room the doctor following then loudly shutting his door in the face of holder he called out enter my castle who dare i shall turn a young man myself at the age of seventy to drub the first varlet that would attack the niece of my dear old friend they soon heard the passage clear and without deigning to listen to the petulant revilings with which young holder solaced his foolish rage why my dear he continued why did you not tell me your name was tyrold at once i promise you you need carry nothing else with you into our parts to see all the doors fly open to you you make much of him i hope where he is for he left not a dry eye for twenty miles round when he quitted us i don't know how many such men you may have in hampshire But Yorkshire's a large county, yet the best man in it would find it hard to get a seat in Parliament where Sir Hugh Tyrold would offer himself to be a candidate. We all say in Yorkshire he's so stuffed full of goodness and kindness that there's no room left in him for anything else. That's our way of talking of him in Yorkshire. If you have a better way in Hampshire, I shall be glad to learn it. Never too late for that. I hate pride no possible disturbance could make camilla insensible to pleasure in the praise of her uncle or depress her spirits from joining in his eulogy. and her attention and brightening looks drew a narrative from the old gentleman of the baronet's good actions and former kindnesses so pleasant both to the speaker and the hearer that the one forgot he had never seen her before and the other the frightful adventure which occasioned their meeting now dr marchmont at length looking at his watch inquired what she meant to do to seek her sister and party she answered and returning her host the warmest acknowledgments for his assistance and goodness she was going but stopping her how now he cried don't you want to know who i am now i have told you i'm a friend of your uncle don't you suppose he'll ask you my name camilla smiling assured him she wished much to be informed but knew not how to trouble him with a question why my name my dear is westwyn and when you say that to your uncle he won't give you a sour look for your pains take my word for that beforehand i carried over his nephew and heir a cousin i suppose of yours to leipzig with me about eight years ago along with a boy of my own Hal Westwyn, a very good lad, I assure you, though I never tell him so to his face, for fear of puffing him up. I hate a boy puffed up. He commonly comes to no good. That's the only fault of my honoured friend. He spoils all young people. Witness that same cousin of yours, that I can't say I much like. No more does he me, but tell your good uncle you have met me, and tell him I love and honour him as I ought to do i don't know how to do more or else i would tell him this my dear and i have not forgot what he did for me once when i was hard run and i don't intend it i'm no friend to short memories camilla said his name and her uncle's regard for him had long been familiar to her and told him clermont lynmere was of the party to southampton though she knew not how to enter abruptly into an explanation of his mistake concerning the inheritance mr westwyn answered he was in no hurry to see clermont who was not at all to his taste but would not quit hampshire without visiting cleves and when he gathered that two more nieces of sir hugh were in the house he desired to be presented to them upon re-entering the passage to the great amusement of dr marchmont and serious provocation of camilla they perceived dr orkborne standing precisely where he had first stationed himself attending no more to the general hubbub than to her particular entreaty and as regardless of the various jolts he had received during the tumult as of the obstruction he caused by his inconvenient position to the haste of the passers-by still steadily reposing against the banisters he worked hard at refining his paragraph persuaded since not summoned by miss margland he had bestowed upon it but a few minutes though he had been fixed to that spot near an hour miss margland received camilla with a civility which since her positive and public affiance to edgar she thought necessary to the mistress of beech park but she looked upon dr Marchmont whom she concluded to have been her advocate with the cold ill-will which for mr westwyn she seasoned still more strongly by a portion of contemptuous haughtiness from a ready disposition to believe every stranger not formally announced beneath her notice the doctor soon retired and found edgar in his apartment just returned from a long stroll he recounted to him the late transaction which reiterated exhortations to circumspection from added doubts of the solidity though with new praise of the attractions of camilla she seems a character he said difficult to resist and yet more difficult to attach nothing serious appears to impress her for two minutes together let us see if the thoughtlessness and inadvertence thus perpetually fertile of danger result from youthful inexperience or have their source in innate levity time and reason will rectify the first but time and even reason will but harden and embolden the latter prudence therefore must now interfere or passion may fly when the union it has formed most requires its continuance end of chapter three read by Lars rolander